Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 20, You Gotta Have Heart. Mary, what happened this week? Ray thinks kissing Donna is way better than having stage fright, but not having sex with Donna is worse than both. Ray's mom gives him advice on how to not fuck up his relationship. Really terrible advice, including cheat on Donna and be discreet about it. Val gives Ray a reason to choose her for his dalliance or whatever by draining his truck battery and driving him to her hotel because she moved out of the Walshes to live in a hotel because that's what you do when you have money, I guess. I wouldn't know. After Nat tells Brandon how scary cults are, Brandon tries to get in touch with Kelly at the new Evolution House, fully funded by cult members and their families. Kelly avoids his calls until he shows up in person to make her do this Valentine's Day telethon for the Alpha House to benefit the Pediatric Heart Fund. You know, her project. Afterwards, Kelly winds up back at the new Evolution House with Finley where she tells Brandon she quits him and not the cult. Brandon realizes that Dylan is probably the only person who can get through to her at this point and asks him to help Kelly out. Steve does that Steve thing where he uses his connections to make something happen and manages to fail his way into success. I don't know. It really meant nothing except that we had a musical guest this week, which meant this episode couldn't be on streaming services. But hey, if you really need to watch Steve make that dumb, sorry, white boy face, I found it on Daily Motion. Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> Andrea and Jesse accidentally end up on a double date with Dr. Laundry and his fashion wife, Adrian. And David was there, I guess. Not at the date, but just in the episode. <laughs> The date would have been better with David there, though. Oh, he would have, because he was like actually he was there, but he when he was there, he was just kind of almost peanut gallery material. So I feel like he would have been a good little like, uh huh, and then <laughs> you know kind of guy. Yeah, like he would have been so into like that scripted telethon host thing. He'd be like, yeah. let's see what they do next. Oh my god, yes! Like he's a play by play announcer. Oh. Which they've that. also kind of done before. David could do this. That's true. He really could. Gosh, could you imagine if we like went back in time to when we were in season one of this show and we were like, you're going to wish David was in more of the episodes. Oh, man. I wouldn't have believed you, honestly. But I was looking at him whenever he was on screen and I was like, yeah, I do kind of miss him. Like, where's his drama? Not his meth. I, I don't want your meth, David. I want... <laughs> something with drama with David I don't know just give me something why couldn't he get Kelly out of the cult he's her brother that's true I mean we'll have to get to the whole Dylan thing when we get there because it's literally the very last thing in this episode so even though this episode is not on streaming because they had a (laughs) musical performance they still cut Ray out of it I know. I The first thing I said was, well, we opened with Ray talking to Donna about performing live. Wish we knew what he sounded like. <laughs> I love that he says, when I'm up there performing, it's like performing poetry. <laughs> yeah, it's like he was like, I did a performance and it felt like performance. Like, <laughs> he could not... Poor boy. That makes me wonder if there was a different line in the script and he just kept messing it up and he just finally picked a word and they're like, this is a television show. We can't do this for three months. We have to do this in three takes. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, and especially if they have 32 episodes in a season, they're like, we are already over budget by two takes. Exactly. You need to pick this up. Exactly. Whatever you say next sticks. Yeah. I mean, I guess kudos to Tori Spelling for just going with it because she's like, uh-huh. Yeah. You were great. <laughs> I know. And she like confirms that he performs at the pee pad all the time. He's like basically their house musician. Yeah. And like girls just fawn at his feet or whatever. And and he's like, nah, I don't know what you noticed, but you're the only one here, which is not a good argument, buddy. Like, Right? <laughs> like what was his argument? They're not throwing themselves at me, so let's go get naked? Oh, my God. Dude. Yeah, we have to talk about that because they're butt-ass naked. Butt-naked and, like, in the position. Like, I'm sorry. They Like, one of them had to have been wearing underwear. Like, they would have had to because otherwise, I don't want to get too graphic, but how easy. Like, right? it's so easy. <laughs> No, and like, okay, so we've kind of talked about this, and I don't want to get too graphic, like you said, but like, he makes a big, she makes him stop. He does stop, and he's like, How how can you make me stop right now? And we're so close. And I was like, Just like, do something else. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, you have a lot of other options. It's going to take like two minutes. Right. But like, literally, he's just like knocking on the door. <laughs> Just saying, door's locked, but. I mean, yeah, truly. <laughs> I It's it's just there. I, yeah, but yes, like this is, this is like, I guess how non-virgin TV writers write a virgin. They're like, there's nothing else but this. So otherwise it's all or nothing. Like, because yeah, Donna would you would think, have offered something else. Right? Like, I just feel like at this point, like, there's something in, like, I'm not saying Donna has to give up her virginity because, like, her boyfriends have been so patient or anything. Like, that argument I have seen online a ton, and I hate it. Yeah. I think that's incredibly unfair to Donna, and she should be allowed to do with her body whatever she wants to. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I also find it so very interesting that she is like, I'm not even going to look at a penis <laughs> until I'm married. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're naked. They're they're naked and sweaty. And this is maybe the most intense makeout scene we've seen thus far in Beverly Hills Under Two and And she doesn't even entertain the idea of like peeking under the covers. Like, right? let me just open that to see what's there. <laughs> and no, they they stop, and presumably, like, he just rolls over and they go to sleep. Oof. Inter I mean, interesting choice. He still is not justified in any of his actions. No, 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 not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. But like, bit. yeah, interesting opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, thank so, God we move on from that, though. Two wild changes going on with the yes. cult. Yes. Like, they are moving into this big house, which I think may be the same set they used for when um, – Samantha Sanders and Steve had to do that Christmas thing. Like that front hallway really looked, the entryway looked very familiar. 
Well, that and the black and white tile floor or marble floor mm-hmm. or whatever it's made out of, but like the black and white. Yeah. And at first I was like with that staircase, it made me think of the Legally Blonde sorority house. Yeah. But uh, who knows? It could have changed or not been that house at all. But yeah, for sure. It does look like that Christmas house or whatever it was used, ugh, used for. Yeah. And so we find out later that apparently cult members have gotten their parents to donate this house to Finley and the New Revolution, which is so much like Nexium and the Seagram heiresses. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I was losing my mind. I was like, did Keith Ranieri watch these episodes and was just like, I actually kind of look like that guy. Yeah. And he's setting a really good blueprint for how I should manipulate people. Right. And so Brandon calls because apparently they've already got a phone and Brandon already knows the number. <laughs> yeah. And he's looking for Kelly. This guy has to like go searching around looking for her. And she's like, can you take a message? And then Finley just like appears out of nowhere and it's like, can you take the truth? <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Like, I didn't write a lot of quotes this episode, but I I can't not write all the stupid cult things. Yeah, because Kelly – or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Finley says, can you take the truth? And Kelly says, I'm my own worst limiter. And then there's a quote that says, like, you can't evolve unless you reposition yourself. Like, none of the – these are all just words. They don't mean anything. Like, this is very much, like, bland verbiage that you're giving to people and being like, how does this apply to you? And then right. they make up their own stuff that you had nothing to do with. And then they're like, oh, my God, you're amazing. You told me that I needed to reposition myself. And then I remembered this thing and did it. It's like – and I hate to even, um, you know, put the two together, but it, it borders on a little bit kind of how uh, – very, very religious folks take prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, like they say they pray for something and then something happens to like make that prayer happen or at least a snippet of it or one little piece of it. Um, but obviously this is on just a whole other level because it really is just word soup. At least when you're praying for something, you're praying for at least something specific or at least something kind of specific. This is just, here's a word, go fill that narrative in a way. Yeah. Well, and I would even say, like, this, like, cult mindset is preying on people by using, like, prayer and religion and stuff of being like, I can take this and I can manipulate it and I can take advantage of people that are looking for things and, like, yeah, maybe they need to go to their church or, like, Mm -hmm. maybe they need to go to a group therapy session, but, like, I'm going to take them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's. It it feels like with every passing episode, we're getting more and more of that speech. I think Brandon calls it later, just Finley talk or Finley speech mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's like we're getting more and more of that, which showcases not only just like how, I guess, defined Finley has made this, but also how deep Kelly is getting into it and things like that because even she's using the verbiage. Well, and we even talked last week about like how integrated – Kelly is getting into this cult and like how separated she's getting from her family and friends. Mm-hmm. And now it's not even that they're just on campus doing this. Now, like Finley has set up a house where people can live and he can take them completely away from their families. Yeah. And it's almost like what um, when he was denied tenure and denied the appeal for tenure, 
it was like that was almost what needed to happen, quote unquote. For mm-hmm. like Finley probably knew I'm not going to get tenure. I have a backup plan, but I'm going to rally the troops and we're going to figure out a way to like still keep going and, and get more people involved and things like that. Thus the house. So it's like yeah. he always had a pl- It feels like he always had a plan. Oh, I think he totally did. Like I could see actually getting tenure being like, oh, well, if I get it, I mean, that's going to be great because I'm going to have all this job security. But if I don't, I have a plan B that's technically probably more of a plan A and like I am ready. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I do wonder like how many more episodes of the cult we're going to get and if Kelly moves into this house, even if it's temporarily. Right. I know. Because it, again, it's like little by little. I mean, we even saw the cliffhanger last episode of Finley telling her that she needed to break up with Brandon. So that's kind of where she's at. She's been spending all this time at the new um, Evolution House and I guess mulling over, but kind of ignoring the fact that she needs to break up, or at least Finley told her to break up with, with Brandon. And, you know, after Brandon had called, you know, like she finally talks to him and Brandon, like Mary said in the synopsis, like Brandon explains like, Hey man, like you're supposed to be here because this was your thing and I'm still committed. Right. So she even says, Brandon, don't get reflexive on me, which again, it's not a thing. <laughs> Who uses that word in that context? Yeah. Like this is another one where, you know, he calls her and he's actually staying pretty rational. And he's like, mm-hmm. look, this was your alpha sorority thing that I signed up for. Like, you're supposed to be here. You can't flake out. This is for children with heart disease. Yeah. And then, yeah, she tells him to stop being reflexive. <laughs> And then she hangs up on him. Yeah, she just straight up hangs up. Yeah, I couldn't get over that. She just like, I, I can't, I can't deal and just hangs up. I was furious. I was like, if John did that to me, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I also have to bail because I need to go scream. Oh, 100%. That's the thing is like, I, we've been giving, obviously, Brandon a lot of crap over the years or seasons <laughs> or however, however long we've been doing this. <laughs> and this is the first time I think we're all in a consensus that he's a, handling things the right way, or at least in a good way. Um, and B, he's not reacting in a way that he has. Like, maybe this is growth for Brandon, right? Like, we've seen him, Brandon, you know, go full Brandon on Dylan and stuff, but we, that's a whole other thing I have to bring up later. But maybe this is growth for him. And I kind of appreciate it because I want to like the protagonist of a show, you know? Yeah. Which is also so hilarious to me because I keep watching these scenes and I'm just like, but you can yell at her this time. True. Oh, yeah. I'm fine with it. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And I think the fact that he's not and we're almost allowing him to do it is is a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after Kelly breaks up with him, like they're apparently supposed to go on TV live within minutes. Mm-hmm. So Brandon grabs Donna and they start making out. Oh, like I know that this is a scripted thing and it's an event and all this yeah. stuff, but like, damn. <laughs> I know. I think we found the compatible kissers of the group. <laughs> it was something and like what a way to start a telethon. So I turned this on earlier when I was watching it and um Nate goes, wait, wasn't she just hardcore making out with another dude? 
And I was like, I don't have time to explain this to you. <laughs> Wait, no, I have to. It's going to make me mad. <laughs> I feel like I would have been like, you can get on board or you can leave. Yeah, exactly. And then he's like, all right, I got to go to the grocery store. Like it was so Nate and his noncommittal, like, I don't actually care. I just like the shock and awe and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My favorite part of this, aside from the hardcore making out that totally threw me, like, I kind of fell for it. I was like, what is happening? Why is David just being like, hey, guys, we're supposed to be doing something. Mm -hmm. And then, it, you know, pulls out and we realize that they're live at the pee pad for a telethon pulling a whole like live from New York at Saturday night. Right. And there is a live audience. That killed me. I couldn't believe there's a live. Why is there a live audience? The pee pad has exploded onto the scene. <laughs> It is not just doing the All Ages Club Nights. It is now hosting other events. So please make sure to book all of your reservations with Claire. <laughs> it's it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's something. And then, like, I don't know. This episode was not fantastic, but I feel like it goes at, like, a really fast pace yeah. at the beginning. It does. Because then we immediately jump over to the Walsh house where a man that we learn is a cab driver – after the fact is like loading a ton of boxes into a car because apparently Val made enough money off the Mexico caper to move into a hotel. Like to live. Yeah. Like, like a Dylan who was worth like tens of millions of dollars. And I was assuming Val got like a 1 million. <laughs> just, just the one. Yeah. I don't know. Like this is, I think she's just going to burn it through. But she says later how she's like, I've got money in the bank. Like, I'm good. Like, so I'm like, did she do the thing where she gives herself an allowance and just allows herself to do it, but then is investing her money? I, I doubt it. But like, what if she did? I promise you Val does not have a budget spreadsheet. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it's all written down. I don't know. I this much like want Jim to believe that she's just moving out with the $10,000 that he thinks she has. Yeah. I feel like he does. Like he makes the comment. I think Cindy's the one's like, who lives in a hotel anyway? And then Jim lists a bunch of people and is like eccentric types with fast money and questionable values. Oh, he's so snarky. He continues so to be snarky. snarky. I don't like – I don't know where it came from, but here it is. It's, at least it's being consistent at this point. You know, it's not like flip-flopping. I mean, truly, this is how he would react if Brenda did something. 100%. That's what I stand by my comment, I think, from last week, where basically yep. Jim has to treat somebody like Brenda and has to be mad at someone, so he chooses to be mad at Valerie. Yeah, and I didn't write it down, so I think it happens in this scene when, like, Val just walks into the kitchen. She's like, well, I'm off. Mm -hmm. and they're like, you don't, you don't have to do this. Why are you leaving? And she was like, it's totally practical. I'm going to be right next to a bunch of restaurants that I can walk to. But ugh, why would I walk to them? I bought a sports car. <laughs> and Cindy just like looks at her jaw agape. Cindy is like cringing. She's like, but I feed you. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the thing. She's going to miss out on Cindy's cooking. Yeah, what is Cindy's purpose if not to feed? Oh, to recycle. <laughs> I, I love Cindy, but like truly, she is a homemaker. And like as they're getting like more and more empty nest, I'm just like 
watching Sydney just like lose her will to live. Man, she's like gonna struggle so hard with this. Like that like we know what happens, you know, at least we know that they leave. And so mm-hmm. I think it's gonna have to be a pretty drastic change for her to cope with this. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. The only other comment I have about this little scene is Val's outfit. Can we just talk about that for a second? Because I loved it. I want it. I need that to be back in fashion. Right? Like her fashion this entire episode, I was like, I'm into this. Yeah. It's like, I'm, am, 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 I, am I in love with you? Is this what's happening? Because we already know I am from a villain standpoint. Right. It's it's a very like, I don't know if I want to be you or be on you. Exactly. Classic, classic case for this group. <laughs> yeah. So this is, in my mind, where the episode takes a downward turn. Because yeah. we go back. We go back to the peach pit and Nat has brought food over from the peach pit to the pee pad. Brandon is helping him pass it out. And this is when Nat finally calls the new revolution a cult. Mm-hmm. And Brandon's like, it's not a cult. It's a new revolution. And then after like five seconds, he's like, well, now that you mentioned it, it might as well be a cult. Yeah. He's like, it's now that you mentioned it, it might be a cult because it's changing her personality. <laughs> like, yeah, you think, Brandon? Right? I just love it. He's like, Nat, it's not a cult. And Nat's like, I, we know cult members. We know people who know cult members. Mm-hmm. This is the cult. Wild that he was like, oh, do you remember that server that used to be at the Peach Pit? Her sister was in the People's Temple. Which I was not aware of what that was, so I had to look it up. And great reference. It's a great reference. I think it's like relatively timely. Yeah. But like that's a big one. I know. Like that's not just some ho-hum like here's just this teeny tiny little cult here. No. This is like we took them to a different continent and then they all died. Exactly. And it's like it was one of those situations where I recognized the name of like the leader, but I was like, hold on, is that the name? Because I didn't even remember that that was the name of it because all I remember is it described by the situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was like, whoa, like what a fastball right to the gut there because at that point, Brandon should have like taken off running, right? Like that should have been right. a catalyst for him to go rescue her by all means necessary. Right. And like, he does go to her, but he doesn't, like, forcibly remove her from the cult. He doesn't, like – he. honestly, I feel like he should have pulled, like, a Dylan intervention and been, like, you have to leave and you have to come with me and you have to go to my parents' house and we have to talk about this. Yeah, 100%. No, absolutely. Like, especially when Nat mentions one where everyone died. Yes, and I think he also should have gotten Jackie involved. Like, where, where is she? Like, right? If, if Kelly's not going to listen to Brandon, like, get her mother. Get her brother. Yeah. Get her family. Yep. Like, it's a choice <laughs> to go to Dylan. And I know why they did it, because he's in the main cast. But, like, David is right there. Right. Exactly. And then further nonsense is when Ray's mom comes back from her cruise and like Mary said in the synopsis, gives Ray the worst advice. So bad. And I 
cannot get over the idea that like she came back from this cruise and she's like, oh my God, I had so much fun. I bought Donna earrings. And then Ray is like, I love Donna, but she won't have sex with me. Like, I if Especially because she's Southern. Number one, you don't talk to your mom about sex if you're from mm-mm. the South. Number two... I would have slapped him <laughs> and been right? like, boy, get over yourself. Like, right. Like at first when his mom is like, you do not ruin this thing that you have going with that amazing girl. I was like, yes, you tell him mama Ray. Yes. And then she was like, so what you're going to do is you're going to have sex with other people discreetly. So she never finds out. Which. Number one, horrible advice. We've established that. Number two, does Ray have other siblings that we don't know about? Maybe. Because if this woman is ready to give advice like this, surely that means she has followed this advice. That's very interesting. Like, I'm not even trying to say she's – I'm not trying to say any kind of, like, negativity around her. She is – Yeah, no judgment. Yes, please. Just, like – By all means, like, do what you want to do. But I'm like, it's kind of that whole once a cheater, always a cheater – Mm-hmm. If you're so okay with this idea that your own son is going – like, you're telling him to go do this thing, that probably means, like, you were either at least had this done to you and you were fine with it or you did it to other people. And, like, let's also talk about the fact that David cheated on her in her last relation, like, two relationships ago and then Griffin screamed at her for not having sex with him and accused her of sleeping with other people and that Ray had to save her from that, like, shouting. Like, let's talk about the past trauma that Donna has gone through and that, like, this could kill her. And just last episode, Ray met the woman who David cheated with to have sex with because Donna would not. Right? Like, this is where I don't understand the logic behind the plot line because Mm-mm. I would totally understand it from a standpoint of like you know maybe Ray just breaks up with Donna because she doesn't want to sleep with him just break up with her or even uh, I, I don't know give me another reason other than this and I would understand it but because this has already happened this has basically already happened um Ray has seen it I'm like how many times can you throw this plot line at Donna because at this point, you're just bullying her to have sex. Otherwise, you know, like saying that men cannot be uh, chase and men cannot control men can, themselves yeah. and boys will be boys and all that bullshit. So I'm tired of it. Like, this is a tired plot line. Get it out of our TV show. No, this is very like, this is when you know they've grown the cast too big because they don't know what to do with Donna, so she keeps getting the same story over and over again. They don't know what to do with Steve, so he keeps getting the same two stories over again. Either he's a racist or he fails upwards. Yep. I'm bored. Right. Like, I love Donna. She's a sweet baby angel. Greatest woman on earth if ever there was one or whatever they said. <laughs> but I'm bored. And like- I know. The Val thing doesn't, like, it doesn't resonate with me. It would be more interesting if if this weren't Ray, right? Like, she's already done this. She's done this storyline to Steve and Dylan already. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that there was no other girl involved. And it wasn't part of the friend group. Like, 
It's more interesting to me that she has all this money and is spending it all. I don't need something else to make her more interesting right now. Well, and like I have no problem with her causing chaos. Yeah, for sure. But like this is boring to me. Even (laughs) so she's actually in the next scene. I feel like we can go ahead and talk about it because she's in her hotel room talking about how much kinky sex has probably happened in her room and how she had to move out of the Walsh's house because it was making her schizo, which like that's not you can't just say things like that but dylan shows up because cindy called him in a panic in a suit (laughs) dylan is wearing suits the entire episode from the boy who hates dressing up this boy got his money back and was like you know how i'm not gonna lose it anymore i'm gonna dress like an adult How many meetings with Jim did he have today off screen? Right? He's just like sitting outside Jim's office every time there's like a 10-minute interlude. He's like, hey, Jim, how's it going? Can I do anything? Should I be like reading a book? Have you read this one? (laughs) Do you have a Wall Street Journal subscription? Should I get one of those? (laughs) Yeah. Like he's literally like the embodiment of look good, feel good like right now. (laughs) And you know what? I would have much rather had a Dylan montage where he's like trying on suits and getting fitted for a suit and sharp dressed man is playing in the background other than that. Like I would have taken that over this. Well, I would too. I would too. Because then of course, like he, he waxed poetic about living in a hotel and how it doesn't like do anything and how like, like it's not what it's cracked up to be, which I'm like, what is it? Like, what is it supposed to be? Am I supposed to be impressed that somebody lives in a hotel and doesn't have a home? Like I, you know, whatever. And Val is just like, don't ruin this for me. And I will say when Valerie said that living with the Walshes was starting to make her schizo, just have to say, like I mentioned earlier, this is the classic, like she did do that thing where she had to act like good girl Val when she was with Cindy and to an extent other people until they started to realize, oh shit, this girl is chaotic and messy. That's who she is, but she's not playing two parts anymore. She's trying to go full chaotic Val um, by by coming here and living and spending all this money and living in the hotel. So I like that they threw that in because it obviously fits my narrative for Val. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you are totally right. Like, I, there is no doubt in my mind that she is playing those two parts. I just think it's so funny that, like, even after she got found out, like, 10 episodes ago or whenever it was, like, she kept trying to keep it up. Like, just be you. Yeah, Just get sure. over it. I know. I know. It's wild. Um, I guess on the bright side, she continues to be snarky with Dylan and they still have like, you know, it's like toxic toxic relationship party of two, Mm -hmm. like right here. But she says like, of all the things you did to me, that's the one you can feel best about, which was in reference to him pairing her up with Jonesy. And that's how she got all this money in the first place, which I'm like, Okay, Val, at least you acknowledge that this is a shitty relationship, but why do you keep going back to it? That's my question. Because apparently Dylan is magical. I don't know. Like, I'd, I'd believe that. I love Luke Perry. Those little wrinkles <laughs> are going to get me every single time. <laughs> every but time. But like, after the amount of shit that has happened in this season, I'd be like, I can't. I, I can't. I'm just going to like love you from afar. Yeah, I'd have to. I, I mean, look at Brenda. She went to freaking London, so. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. I think this is the first episode with no Brenda mention. Oh, my God. I don't like it. That's why we don't like this episode. 
It took 20 episodes, but we finally have an episode without Brenda. And you know what? I bet Brenda would have gotten Kelly out of this cult. Oh, God. You know she would have. Oh, my God. She would. Because meanwhile, like, yeah, Brandon goes to the new Revolution Mansion and like Finn. Is this where Finley calls Kelly a tease and I got really grossed out? Yes. Um, yes. I Yes. Because she literally like doesn't want to go see Brandon and Finley's like accusing her of not being clear and upfront to Brandon. And then he says, I never would have pegged you for a tease. Like, right. I'm just, I'm, I'm making the physical movements of being grossed out in an audio medium. It's fine. It's disgusting. It's so gross. Like we've talked about how their relationship is so inappropriate Mm -hmm. and like, it just keeps happening. Like a 40 year old, I'm guessing at his age that I feels right based on like quick math I did last episode like he should not be telling a 19 year old how to run her life no not unless like she is at not even no this man should be nowhere near teenagers 100 percent. and I also have to point out like have you guys noticed Kelly's wardrobe the last few episodes okay she was dressed like a church grandmother yeah it was like, like a full maxi dress with like a giant sweater. Yep. And just like those long pants that go with that long top with that scarf. Like she looked like a teacher at like a fancy teacher party. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I'm not trying to say like, you know, you should dress her sexy or whatever, but like there's a clear difference between how she is dressing now and before the fire. And it's perfect because Brandon, when he does talk to her, well, first of all, immediately Kelly accuses him of being sarcastic and hostile. And he's just like, I'm sorry, how? Like, what did I say that fit that parameter? And he's just trying to understand here. And then Kelly gives him more BS. and like, unless you're willing to evolve, you'll never understand. But what Brandon does, which, you know, we, we know Brandon to not be super tactful with the way that he speaks to people, even if he's right. And so he starts to kind of allude to Kelly that she's suffering from PTSD from the fire, which absolutely she is. That is yeah. what is happening here. <laughs> and I think is part of the reason why they put her in this type of wardrobe is to show like it's affecting how she views herself. Right. We've always talked about how she was insecure about being a model before the fire and now especially with her burns and the fact that she has scars she's super super insecure about it so therefore she's dressing that way but of course kelly she doesn't want to be like psychobabbled right now or um psychoanalyzed mm-hmm. and has now started to reframe her own thinking from what she has literally learned in her psych 101 classes yeah it's very interesting to me like she's clinging so much to what the cult is teaching her and ignoring what she's learned in her psych classes because yeah she tells him not to psychoanalyze her and then when you hear her like attempting to break up with him she can't even say it like she she, I feel like the show has presented her to us as smart enough that she would know in herself that like I don't actually want to do this this is not what I want for my life and that's why I'm being so avoidant in saying I want to break up with you Mm mm-hmm but, like, 
yeah, she's being all flowery. He's like, I'm not going to join the cult. And she's like, well, then you're just a negator. And Brandon says, if you just say the word, I'll walk away. And she can't do it and she won't do it. And they hug and got to be honest, it tricked me. They got me. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, especially like I know there's another scene, but like the next time we see them, they look quote unquote normal. They're being all cutesy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just don't care about this next part. I just have one thing to say. It's for listeners out there who are watching along with us. It's the Andrea and Jesse argument at the movie theater where they meet up with Dr. Laundrie and Adrian. That's all it is. I just, the only thing I had to say about it was now we're starting to see Jesse be a little bit more argumentative because even though he wasn't as like direct and kind of mean about it, Andrea was absolutely mean about it. He's starting to just be like, well, no, what I want is important, you know, and kind of stand up for himself. I mean, okay, so when they were standing in line arguing about a double feature, which is a very long date if you don't want to watch these movies, like, I feel like the compromise would have been, like, one movie. Because, yeah, Jesse's like, well, I don't want to go see Fred Astaire. And Andrea's like, well, I don't want to see uh, Sylvester Stallone. Both are fair. (laughs) Totally fair. I mean, (laughs) the – the note I wrote was like, of course, Jesse doesn't want to go see a bunch of white people in black and white movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. duh. God, I just hated the whole thing. I hated it. And then like when we meet Peter's wife, Adrian, who is like. I did not like her. She immediately was like, I'm not supposed to like you. And I don't. <laughs> I kind of love her. <laughs> <laughs> you know who she reminds me of? Sarah Silverman's character in School of Rock. Okay. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Hanks' uh, longtime girlfriend in You've Got Mail. Oh, that's fair. They almost but I think that's right. I think that's, I think that's what you're supposed to think because it's supposed to be like the shrew that only cares about fashion and not saving babies. Well, and who talks a mile a minute, doesn't let you get in a word edgewise, like – Clearly, these people don't care what she has to say, and she I, she can't read the room. Literally, she says, were you planning on introducing me? And Peter says, no, I was planning <laughs> to ignore you. But he says it so seriously. It is not a joke, Adrian. I cannot. I feel so bad that she's so oblivious. Yeah, But at the same seriously. time, I love her voice, and I would let her talk to me about cloth all day. Honestly, I would too. Like, I know that we're not supposed to like her because she's supposed to be like the opposite of a pediatric doctor. Like, they're really supposed to be like, she's so flaky. We've got a doctor, a med student, a lawyer, and a fashion person. Well, when you put it that way, no, I like her. But But I just, no, if I met a person like this, I'd be like, I'm not really an introvert, but you're making me one. Like, she would just drain me instantly. That And that's the thing I don't like about – like, she's fine as a person, but me as an introvert, I'm like, you're talking so much. Yes. Like, it was just I want, too much for me. Yeah. Like, I want to go to a movie theater to sit quietly and, like, I'll make comments, but that's fine. You need to stop talking. <laughs> You'll talk so – she would talk so much. 
Oh my god. It makes me think of every time I go see a movie with my friend Shelby. She's one of those that talks loud when she whispers. <laughs> <laughs> like can't whisper and I'm just like I get secondhand like um I don't know what the word is. I'm just like no one get mad. Please don't get mad. She she's doing the best she can. She just wants to say <laughs> this one thing. I promise she's almost done. <laughs> yeah. I I don't talk during movies unless it's like an action movie. Like I talked a lot during Fast 9. <laughs> but to be fair, I went with two of my friends and one has seen the movies recently and one like hasn't seen them since like the first one. Mm. And so when they started drinking Coronas, I was like, oh, I should have brought a Corona. And my friend Angela was just like, why? <laughs> I was like, okay, there's only three more people in this theater. I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to bug me. <laughs> oh, man. Anywho. Yeah, I hate that scene. That's all. Yeah. And like... I kind of just want to talk about the second half of it now because, like, it comes back a little bit later after the movie. They're all having coffee together, which I love that this is all, like, very clearly in the student center. Yeah. This reminded me, I know, like. Only one of them is a student here. Exactly. And, like, uh, the Tate Theater at UGA had that. And I, me and my friend would go to those movies all the freaking time and just, like, eat food after. Oh, it gave me nostalgia. That was the only thing I liked about this. Yeah. But. They're talking about bullshit, whatever. No one cares. What blows my mind is that Peter and Andrea have their hands centimeters away from each other and are making like heart eyes, like absolutely bonkers eyes at each other. And Jesse and Adrian have no idea. Like Jesse even grabs Andrea's hand and like, I kind of feel like it was purposeful, but I also feel like it was just like completely oblivious and meant to like break up the thing. But I was like, how does no one see this? What this made me think of, I had so much commentary on this entire episode apparently, but <laughs> this reminded me of in seventh grade science class when I was trying to discreetly hold this boy's hand while we were watching Bill Nye the Science Guy and thinking no one saw it. Meanwhile, the person sitting next to him, I remember this plain as day, she was like, <clears throat> like, cleared her throat really <laughs> loud. And I looked at her, and she just, like, gave me the knowing eyes. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> like, that's what this, what people always know. Like, I promise you, people saw this. Like, they totally made this to be Adrian is, like, dumb and spacey and only cares about herself and, like... How dare she not let Peter go to Nebraska for med school? First of all, Creighton's a great school, and I hate that he called it Creighton. <laughs> and this is very much like coastal elitism on screen. Like, Andre being like, we can't go to Boise, and Adrian being like, we can't go to Nebraska. Like, what's so wrong with the flyover states for schooling? Like, nothing. There's great nothing. schools out there. Yeah, I have friends that went to Oklahoma, and they loved it. Yeah. I, yeah. It is pretty bad and bougie, like, when you think about it. Yeah. It is very elitist, and that's the part that I hated. Yeah. So the telethon is still going on at the peach pit, at the pee pad, and Val shows up, and I literally wrote, oh, fuck, Val is going to fuck Ray. Oh, yeah. Like, the second, because she comes in, she goes to his truck, which is wide open. Yeah. And pulls out that little thing, which I thought was the e-brake. 
that like so his car was just gonna like roll away and disappear I but had, it was a- yeah I had no idea what she was doing I was like you pulled a knob what's that do <laughs> <laughs> no this reminded me of like just now um Episode one of Star Wars went before they do pod racing and like the <gasps> evil guy like breaks that thingy. Yep. It's just like whoopsie. Oh my god, we need to put that on social media whenever we post this episode. It's just the side by side. No context spoiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, that's what she does. And I'm like, and she's so she's so diabolical about it. And I'm sitting here the whole time like you took off a cap i like <laughs> what did you do oh no, god I, I legitimately thought it was gonna be in, uh, like a parking brake and the car was just gonna like roll into a ditch and then he'd come out and be like where's my car because it got <laughs> hit by a train while they oh, were inside god. and then she's oh. like i'll give you a ride home oh who man yeah and then we go inside and things are weird like I didn't write a lot down here because Kelly shows up and it's like everything's fine Steve shows up and is steving all over the place yeah like it's there was a couple of weird things because Val got weirdly aggressive with Dylan because she's like oh getty Kelly's here and then she does make kind of a funny comment where she's like I thought she'd be too busy evolving like LOL because like the snark, not LOL because of the cold. Um, mm-hmm. And then Dylan is like, you really got a thing for her, don't you? Sidebar, please put them together. <laughs> I <would> love it. <laughs> Make this an enemies to lovers trope, please. But please. that's not obviously not going to happen. But then Val's like, no, but you do. And she is like all on this train that Dylan still has like all these unheart or like harboring feelings for Kelly and all that kind of stuff. Also, what's weird is David... He seems to be doing fine at emceeing, which he clearly was worried about, or at least fake worried about. I don't know. Still unclear how much of that opening in the telethon was real or not. Yeah. All of their telethon acting screwed me up. Like, I was like, I don't understand what's scripted and what's not. And what? It's like actors who couldn't act like they were acting. It it was very weird. And I was like, David had a radio show for a while. Right. Exactly. And so he... Apparently tried to do a dramatic reading, and then Claire interrupts him. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it felt like it was supposed to be scripted, but then it, like didn't feel scripted. And then I don't know. And then the kids come out, and that's when they do the weird auction thing, or not auction. It's just pledging money, I, and Dylan's yeah. like, "I'll do a hundred and Val's like, "No, I'll do three hundred. It's like you can have two separate donations. Yeah, I wrote Val off $300 to get back at Dylan. Yeah, it was like a weird competition. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Does she know that that's a tax write-off and that she can put that on her 1040? I bet she doesn't. I was about to say probably not because Jim Walsh is not her business manager. And I will say like when Dylan offers the money, I think – I don't remember who Kelly's talking to her if she's just talking to herself, but she's like, he could do really well in the new evolution. Oh, my God. Yeah. Which, like, that feels like more foreshadowing with Brandon going to Dylan at the end of the episode and her being like, he could be in the cult. Like, I think we know what next episode's going to be about. Well, yeah. And honestly, like, he's a good target. Like, I, you know, not just financially, 
now that he has money again, but because of what he's been going through the last several months. Yeah, I think the only thing protecting him is that, like, Iris exists. Totally. Absolutely. Like, I think Iris falls for some, like, new AG, like, stuff that a lot of people would call bullshit. But I don't think she's going to fall for a cult. Like, Mind Jim still sounds like utter nonsense to me. Cult, Iris would be out the door. Yeah, it's kind of like the difference between tarot cards and a cult, I guess. You know, like, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't think of a good comparison. But, you know, it's like the stuff that people are just like, oh, I don't really believe in that, but I acknowledge it's a thing. Whereas, like, because it doesn't harm anyone. And then... The thing that does, you know, it's it's almost like the people who believe in home remedies as opposed to ibuprofen. I don't know. It's just a different way of thinking. <laughs> I'm still stuck on tarot cards versus the cult. I mean, you're not wrong, though. <laughs> I can't possibly think of a better comparison. I don't think you know? there is one because like, yeah. Iris is into like auras and crystals and Kelly's in a cult. Yes. Like, yes. Well, all of this stuff is happening. Like apparently right after Val gave this $300, I don't know if this is when Ray performed or before was when Ray performed, but he goes outside, finds out his battery is dead because he must have left the lights on. And then she's just like, well, I know what you could do tonight. Me. I was just furious I was like how is this so easy like she just showed up and was just like you want to have sex and he was like yes I do I would like that very much like I this must be that discreet cheating I've heard about from my mom this is the exact opposite of discreet well and also it's like like she literally fell into his lap. How could, like, he's just like, oh my God, this was so easy. How do I, okay, well, I can't say no to this. No, this is a man who is definitely thinking with his downstairs brain and not his upstairs brain. Yes, 100%. This time the door's wide open. Very, literally, she opens her door wide <laughs> open. Exactly. So we skip ahead to the next morning. Claire and David are like falling apart because they've been up all night at the telethon. And then Donna comes in being all chipper and she's like, I already ran. I washed my hair. I did laundry. I got an early start to my day. And like, that's kind of dick when your best friends just had to stay up all night and you're like, I got eight hours. Why are you guys not so happy? I know, right? Like, I actually had that thought. I was like, man, if I were Claire or David right now, I would just punch Donna or something because, right? Like, I can understand being a morning person, but if you're like doing the same thing, but I, you know, I worked 24 hours and you worked 16 or whatever it was, there's a clear difference there. Like maybe you should offer Claire and David to now go take a shower or get some sleep or something like that. And you take the reins. No, no. She just goes to the phone and makes a personal call. (laughs) I know. And I'm pretty sure at some point they were like, this is no, there are no personal calls because Steve wanted to do it. And then everyone else does it. No one says anything. Exactly. So she uses the phone to call Ray's mom looking for Ray. And she's kind of, um, she does like seem very excited to talk to Donna, but then she immediately lies for her son because she's like, oh, well, if he's not with you, I remember what I just told him. And it's a bad lie because she's like, oh, he just took the truck. And Donna's like, 
the truck that's outside. Right. She doesn't say it, but you can like see that she's like, something's fishy here. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because we go to the beach apartment and Brandon is walking around with the comforter over his little head and I lost my mind. Beach house blanket Brandon. (laughs) It made me so happy that he's just like walking around the apartment with this over his head having conversations. To me, this was like, I would love to believe this was not scripted and this was just a choice. He just did it. Yeah, but I I think it was scripted, but still, whoever's idea it was to have this perfection, literally everything this episode needed. (laughs) Right? Like, we have been on, like, the down – we're in, like, the valleys, and now we have just, like, peaked. This is the episode's peak where Brandon is walking around holding this comforter around his head, and he's like, maybe Kelly went to get bagels. (laughs) Aw. It's, like, the saddest thing that he thinks that. I know. And, like, seriously, she left out saying goodbye, and he's just, like, hoping for the best while he looks ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's oh, baby. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, then we get, like, a scene about Steve. I don't care. He fails upwards. Whatever. Yeah. So I have to point out here, because this is the second time I saw it in the episode, is the camera's been out of focus. Because the first time I saw it, and I forgot to mention it, was when it was like the very first scene between Brandon and Kelly when Brandon and was talking on the phone at the telethon to Kelly. And I thought it was fuzzy, but I thought, oh, this is a DVD based on a show from the 90s. Like, it could have just been not HD. Mm-hmm. But and then I was like, okay, but it's kind of weird that I can see that, like, the phone and his hand very clearly, but not his face. And then this happened when Steve was talking to Felix, the um, Jade's actual manager. The camera was focused on the door, not Felix's face. And I was like, what's happening here? Because this is this is not a case of like wide shot <laughs> versus full screen shot. This is a case of bad. Yeah. Camera work. This is like a mess up at the time that has literally never been able to be corrected. Yes. This is not mess up after the fact. Exactly. And like, I I, I mean, like mistakes happen. Like we all remember in the year of our Lord 2018 or 19 when Game of Thrones left a Starbucks cup, you know, just hanging out for the world to see. So mistakes happen. I just, this was the first time I'd noticed something like that. We've noticed Boomy all the time and we can at least acknowledge that that easily could have been because of remastering yeah and yeah like it says a lot about this scene that that's what you were focused on the door being in focus versus felix rather than the story because you know yeah tldr steve thought he was talking to the manager was actually talking to like a pa and then is like oh but it's for the children and so the manager was like okay fine whatever and then Steve runs downstairs and accidentally knocks on Aaron Spelling's limo. Oh, thank God you noticed. I mean, how can I not? He is the reason we're all here. Well, I just, you never know. You know, it, 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 he's innocuous enough in the limo to overlook it. But he definitely pulls a Stan Lee right here. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. Really? Yeah. I don't know what people look like. I don't know names. That's fair. Yeah, I'm That's really fair. bad at actors and stuff. 
Well, well I guess like to help just picture Tori Spelling as an old man because <laughs> like the the eye, they have the same exact eyes. Like you can't miss it. I swear if I like went back and looked, I would recognize you totally would. Donna in him, but during this I was like, Hello, old people. <laughs> Steve, what are you doing? Hello, Hello old people. <laughs> Wrong limo, Steve. <laughs> so I guess like God, it all sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I'm looking at my notes because I was like, oh, we go to the new revolution house. But then immediately there's like Peter and bullshit and Jade, whatever. Anyway, Brandon goes to the revolution house again and he kind of like storms in while Finley is doing something. I didn't write it down, leading a demonstration or whatever. He starts yelling at, Kel- at Finley about Kelly. And mm-hmm. Kelly was like, no, I was at the library returning a book. But then also she's here. So, like, I don't know if that was a lie or if that was a thing. But then rather than go back to her boyfriend at her house, she was like, well, I'm just going to go to the cult. He'll be fine. And when Brandon leaves, there's applause. Yeah, because Finley convinces her to break up with Brandon in front of everyone. And then when he leaves, everyone fucking claps. And that is so Fucking creepy. I I didn't even have words for it because Kelly was uncomfortable, first of all. She didn't want to do this. She's being pushed to do this by the cult leader. So I guess on the one hand, that maybe shows a level of noncommittal, you know, like that she is not yet fully immersed in this cult. But on the other hand, she still let it happen. She still did the thing that was asked of her. It's so uncomfortable. Well, and that's the thing we keep talking about, like, the little baby steps is, like, okay, you're uncomfortable, but you did it anyway. So now we can find the next thing you're uncomfortable with, and you'll do it anyway. And then slowly and slowly and slowly, you'll be signing your life away and giving us your credit card numbers. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And it just sucks all the way around. It sucks so much. And then we go back to the telethon where Ray shows up with a present for Donna and they're being really cute. And then Andrea's watching them. And unfortunately, this is when Peter calls. Yeah. And he calls basically to like indulge in a fantasy that he's had of him and Andrea being Fred and Ginger, Fred Astaire. Yeah. Dancing with music and says that they should fix up Jesse and Adrian. Which no this is so screwed up and like if you took a second to think about the things that you two were saying you'd be like oh no this is this is a problem we have a huge problem here so i have a question about telethons do they like record the phone conversations to like verify donations and shit i don't don't know know. but i feel like they should yeah because they're like unless they're taking like I I don't know, because I don't know how they then, I guess they take down their check or money order information. I don't remember mm. <laughs> how these things went. And I'm also I, thinking of full, the Full House episode where they did the telethon, and I don't remember. Do you think the Pediatric Heart Fund people are listening back to all these phone calls to verify donations and just being like, why did we let teenagers do this? <laughs> <laughs> I've got 
2,700 minutes of personal phone calls. <laughs> one of it, one of which is our very own Dr. Laundry pediatrician <laughs> <laughs> flirting Peter? with his not wife. <laughs> oh my God, that would make me laugh so hard. Ugh. And then, like, it just keeps going. It's like a train wreck. This telethon is a train wreck because Steve shows up and is like, I'm so bummed. I couldn't get Jade. And then Claire is like, what are you talking about? They're here. Which is, I think, every time they kept saying the girls, I was like, who is the girls? I did not realize Jade was a group for a while. I didn't. I didn't either. I didn't. And I felt dumb. I felt really bad because I was like, Jade is the name of a woman. Like, that's a, a female name. And mm -hmm. I guess, you know, it's also a stone. But they kept being like, yeah, the girls are getting ready or you're not taking the girls anywhere. And I was like, does Jade refer to themselves in the plural? <laughs> but, but they show up. They perform. I fast forwarded through it. I'm sorry, Jade. I don't have time for this in an already bad episode. It was pretty good. I mean, it was pretty classic, like, um, you know, 90s R&B girl group so i'm i'm sure it was fantastic but i was just like i can skip two minutes of this oh, yeah, and for sure. not miss anything yeah like unfortunately sorry, yeah no i mean unfortunately we get them but not also ray like i i wouldn't want them instead but like or like not them and get you know what i'm trying to say give me the whole episode just give me all of it yes exactly um but what we do get unfortunately instead is Ray lying to Donna about where he was this morning, uh, picking up said piece of jewelry that he got, uh, apparently, I guess it was jewelry. He says it was a jewelry mart. Sounds mm. like a top-notch store. And right. Donna's like, mm, nope, sorry, your truck was here. And then right as they're about to like take a picture and he's about to come up with some other lie, Val shows up just to say that they're so cute together. Yeah, and apparently, once again, Donna is so stupid that she drops thought that like she literally says in fact how did you get home last night and then Val shows up and is like oh you're cute together and then we're supposed to be like oh Donna's over it I don't like how they treat Donna I just don't I, I hate it they gave her so much credit in high school like yeah showing the ways in which she was smart even if it wasn't like your traditional smarts you know even showing Steve like recognizing you know how smart she was and how great she was and, and she wasn't just you know a tiny waist and big boobs like it doesn't I don't understand it doesn't compute with me how they're going away from what they taught us about Donna yeah they they have run out of things to do with these people so they're focusing on Donna's a virgin and Steve is an affluent white man yeah it that's just, all they have I don't like it and I understand in an ensemble cast like this, you can't have storylines that are deep and meaningful with every single person. But then I would rather them just not be in the episode. Yeah. Or if they are, like, make one comment and go away. Like, don't try to have your own little plot within the big plot. Right. Like, David and Claire have just been, like, kind of hanging out in the episodes and, like, showing up when they're needed and leaving when they're not. And, like, yep. I'm fine. Honestly, they might be like favorite characters right now just because they are staying very true to themselves. Exactly. They're not trying to, they're not overthinking David and Claire's characters here, but they're yeah. overthinking Donna and Steve. They're overthinking everybody. Mm -hmm. And then Brandon tells Nat that he, that Kelly isn't Kelly anymore. He's convinced that she's brainwashed. 
but he doesn't know what to do because everyone has been frozen out just like he has. Yep. And that's really sad. It's actually a really sad scene because Brandon is kind of speaking in low tones, like clearly not wanting to be overheard. Um, So he decides to go to Dylan because Nat makes a comment about like, well, I wonder who can get through to her, right? Mm -hmm. And so now we see Brandon go to Dylan's. Yeah. And I give Dylan a lot of credit for being like, literally last week you were writing articles in favor of this guy. Yeah. 100%. Like, calling him out, like, dude, you can't, like, what what side are you on? Like, make up your mind. Yeah, and, like, since he has been hurt very recently by Kelly and him breaking up and her immediately going to Finley while he was still, or her going to Brandon while Dylan was still in love with her, he's now like, well, Brandon, are you sure that it's not that she broke up with you and then immediately went to Finley and you're still in love with her? Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like... I also feel like Dylan's a little smarter than that, but I get that, like, he's been hurt and, like, he wants to make sure he's not about to go, like, storm into some random guy's house. Well, that, and I think it's the nature of their friendship. Like, we've established and the show has established that Brandon and Dylan are not your typical friends. They are not friends. They're just two boys that met in high school, had a common denominator in Brenda, and for some reason have stayed in each other's orbits. But even when they are interacting with each other, it's harsh, it's hostile, it's defensive, it's 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 somehow both defensive and attacking at the same time. Yeah. And so Brandon, to his credit, is like, I'm less worried about her sleeping with Finley and more worried about her mind and her money. Yeah. Like he at this point, Brandon doesn't care about anything other than just like getting Kelly back. Like getting her focused on the right things, like her priorities in the right place, her heart in the right place, all of this stuff, not not about any other, I guess, stuff that comes with it. Yeah. And so Dylan says he'll go see her. And then we actually do go to the new Revolution House where everyone is gathered together for a dinner. And Finley's talking about how they've like done all this amazing stuff together. And this is when he points out that Sarah and Cecile and their families have donated this house. And then he stops at Kelly and like invites her to say something. Oof. And all she says is, it's just nice to be home. And like, seriously, if the next episode is not fully Dylan going and getting her out, like, I just don't know how much further they can go with the cult story. Right, right. Like, how many more times can we see her falling down that slippery slope before mm-hmm. she hits rock bottom? I mean, with Dylan, it did last a while, but then was resolved fairly quickly. So I wonder if like we've hit the part where, all right, we need to either hit rock bottom and then get the resolution or we need the resolution like right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think this is the fourth episode about the cult. So like this does feel like it's gotten a pretty solid arc. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be upset if she just like isn't in the next episode because she's just off being culty and then like the next episode after that is when Dylan goes to get her out but Mm -hmm. I just feel like they've like given this the weight she's gone as far as like she's gonna go yeah totally agree but man oof I hate it though I just I just want Kelly to be safe I want I think the thing is with what's been happening lately is we got such a great episode with um Jonesy and Val and Dylan and and kind of almost like that bottle episode and it was so good for 
reasons other than just the fact that Dylan was trying to like find Eric, Eric I keep calling him Eric because it's Erica. Yeah. But Suzanne and Kevin. It was reasons other than just the main plot, right? And so at first, when the cult was introduced, or when Finley was introduced, we were so excited because we're like, oh my God, this is a great storyline. This is going to be intense. This is going to be fresh, you know, like something we hadn't done before in the show. And I think the challenge that comes with what we talked about before, having so many episodes per season, is they end up getting dragged out a little bit too much. It's like, either make the whole season about it, or give me a short arc. And we've had the, I guess, pattern of having short arcs throughout the way because we have 30 episodes a season. So it's run its course. And I think what I want is a really, really good resolution, similar to how we got with Dylan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I am ready for this to wrap up. And, like, I have no problem if there's a couple episodes where, like, Kelly needs to get herself back to normal and, like, even if they're like for the rest of the season, she still slips up every now and then. And it's like, oh, you're such a negator. negator. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would not be mad about that, but I would love, like, if she says it and then they catch her on it. Right. Or if she even realizes it herself, like, that that was bad or, you know. Yeah. Because, of course, if she's this immersed, she's going to need some time to get out of it. I mean, we even see this from you know, the, the true stories that are out there where it's like, you can't just turn off a switch. Yeah. I mean, you need a lot of therapy to process yeah. what you did. Like, yeah. <laughs> Talking about PTSD from the fire. Now she's got PS- PTSD from the cult. Yep. Like our baby girl needs some help. And our baby needs therapy in a big mm. way. Seriously. Uh, I don't think I have anything else to say about this episode. Oh, no, I don't either, but I do have my quote of the week. And we and okay. just to give you guys a hint, we did not say it already. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mary's like, shit, I'm is ready. that my quote? <laughs> no, I've got to find it again. I accidentally closed my docs app. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, and I, I, I don't even remember if I wrote it 100% correctly. And see, we talked about everything I have in my notes, so while I know this isn't it, I'm going to say that, like, one of my favorite things that happened this week was, even though I hated the actual story, was when uh, Jesse and Andre go to leave and they run into Peter and Adrian, and Adrian goes, were you planning on introducing me? And Peter just goes, no, I was planning on ignoring you. (laughs) I mean, it was Very seriously. Very seriously. I really did enjoy that moment. (laughs) Okay, my guess was when um, Brandon goes, I think it's like the second time to try and like get Kelly or whatever, like when he storms in and someone's like, would you like me to like escort him out like cult dad or whatever? And Brandon's just just goes, sit down before you hurt yourself, Junior. Oh, my God. That's so good. So I did write that down and that was runner up. That was runner up. Because, yeah, oh the, sometimes the way Jason Priestley, like, snaps and reacts is so funny. Like, I don't even care what he says, but then everything he says is hilarious. Like, I almost wonder, was that what was in the line or did he add Junior? Or did he, you know, come up with something else? Like, that feels like an improv line. I just don't know if it was. But I loved it. So good. Okay, so what was your quote of the week? Okay, once I say it, you guys are going to be like, 
I forgot or something like that. I don't know. But it's also going to be like a good. Okay, I'm just going to get to it. It was in the beginning when we realized that this is a telethon and Brandon and Kelly had just hung up or rather Kelly hung up on Brandon and Brandon goes over to Claire and says, I need to find someone to be the love of my life for the next two minutes. And Claire goes, oh, well, you know me, I'm always down for a quickie. And then Brandon goes, well, I have a thing for blondes. Man after my own heart. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> don't we all? I literally wrote next to that. Don't we all, Brandon? <laughs> R.I.P. Claire. I know, right? I mean, also, I would have a thing for Claire. but Oh, for sure. I but I have a thing for blondes. Exactly. I fully recognize that this podcast, <laughs> the members of this podcast have a thing for blondes. I like everybody. Well, I that's like true. everybody. I just, I mean, truly, look at, my, look at my two best friends. I know. I just, yeah. Anywho, I just thought it was funny. I love it. Mary, do you have a moment of the week in I'm like, this? I really don't. But honestly, I just want to give an honorable mention again to Adrian for knowing about cloth and knowing who whoever has thoughts about cloth the whose thoughts are stupid i don't know <laughs> she's knowledgeable she knows stuff maybe she shouldn't have married that guy who wants to be a doctor and well, i just wish her the best because out of those four people she's kind of my favorite at the table and i feel like people like shit on people in the fashion industry but like we rely so heavily on them and like it, knowing what the modern woman wants or like knowing how to make like sustainable clothing so that you're not just pumping out the same cheap garbage over and over again like these are important things and we rely on that industry and they're just like well she's not a lawyer right no I I anytime anybody like shits on anybody in the fashion industry or just in general I always think of the scene in Devil Wears Prada where of Andy. Cerulean? Yes, it's the, it's the Cerulean scene. It's like, you know, isn't this just a bag of stuff? And Meryl Streep's like, don't you know, like, what went through the process to get to this piece, this one piece, to this one color? And then she's like, from a bag of stuff. And I'm just like, Meryl Streep, oh, you slay me. But it's so true. Like, it just, people overlook things and judge things at such a surface level so often and without certain things, like, the world would be so different. Like, just think about if we didn't have sustainable clothing, if we didn't have efficient ways to make clothing, you know? Like, it just – anyway, I could get on a soapbox about stuff like that all the time. I just don't like when people downplay and, like, condescend things that they know nothing about. Exactly. Completely agree. Exactly. Like – it's an Elle Wood situation. Like, yeah, she went oh, to school for fashion so. merchandising, but what the fuck do you know about fashion right. merchandising? She exactly. has a 4.0. Yeah. Right. That's like business shit, as she far as a, I can tell. Exactly. She has a 4.0 at a college, at a four-year university, as well as can get into law school. Like, yeah. and. It's and, not or. Yeah. yeah. And Warner's dad had to make a call. Thank you. <laughs> Drop Mike. We done. <laughs> oh my God. Steve is Warner. Ugh. Oh my like, God. Am I that's wrong? An <laughs> that's another person that Adrian reminded me of was Selma Blair. 
And, you know, I'm okay with that because Selma Blair had, like, a really good, like, oh, she's not what she seems. Yes. No, that's and then they became true. best friends. Not so 100% right. What I want is for not Jesse and P- on Adrian to get together, but I want them to become best friends because the people that they're with are hot garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm for that. I'm for that. Yeah. And then New they can best move- friend spinoff, fashion law. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – Seriously, it's legally blonde. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, okay. Well, what's next week's episode called and why is it about getting Kelly out of a cult? I only know the answer to one of those questions. And that is next week's episode is season five, episode 21, Stormy Weather. I bet it rains. <laughs> <laughs> Literally or figuratively? <laughs> Both. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm i not even going to read the synopsis because I want to be surprised. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out next week. So until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. You can also send us over an email with any of your thoughts, your questions, your comments, or your concerns, or any ideas of anything you want us to talk about that we don't already talk about. Um, Make sure you do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, share, subscribe, do all the different things. Uh, That all really helps us. It helps us get seen. It helps build a community. And if you give us a five-star rating review, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. So do that thing. And until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm an eccentric type with fast money and questionable values. I am wrapped up in a big old comforter, just hoping that Kelly's coming back with bagels. And I am the classic example of an unevolved rough beast. Bye. Bye. See ya.